think of me and remember. We are so close to Holy Week, so close to, close to the cross and the empty tomb, and it is fitting that today we look at an iconic story from the Gospel of John that both precipitates and foreshadows those events. Before Deborah reads, let me set the stage. Jesus and his disciples have retreated across the Jordan River after narrowly escaping arrest and stoning in Jerusalem. While he is ministering there, he receives a word that a beloved friend is ill, Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha. Clearly, the sisters want Jesus to come, and I'm sure that the disciples fully expected him to leave immediately. But to their surprise, and ours, he doesn't. Instead, two days go by before Jesus tells his disciples that they are going to Bethany, the hometown of Lazarus, a town that is very close to Jerusalem. The disciples protest that such a visit is just too dangerous, but are silenced when Jesus tells them that he knows that Lazarus is dead. Whereupon one of the disciples, Thomas, says to companions, let us also go that we may die with him. Resigned to their fate, the disciples follow Jesus as he heads to Bethany. They have no idea what is to come. Let's listen. The gospel reading this morning is uh, from John 11, verses 17 through 45. And if you would like to follow along, it can be found on page 105 of the New Testament in your pew Bible. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask for of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, 
He was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you would always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. A sad scene greets Jesus and the disciples when they finally arrive in Bethany. It turns out that Lazarus has been dead a day longer than the three days during which, according to Jewish belief of that time, the spirit of the deceased stayed near the body. To borrow a phrase from the Wizard of Oz, he is not just merely dead, but is really most sincerely dead. Of course, Lazarus' death is no laughing matter. The household is in deep mourning, and people have come from nearby Jerusalem to bring their condolences to the devastated sisters. Jesus' late arrival gets a mixed response from them. Both sisters seem to rebuke him for not having been there earlier. Lord, if you had been here, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. Yet their words are indicative of their faith in this man whom they believe to be of God. Indeed, Martha goes on to say, but even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. The words that follow that statement are words with which I begin almost, no, pretty much all, funeral and memorial services that I conduct. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? I am the resurrection and the life. Because we know the end of Jesus' story, we tend to think that he is speaking redundantly here. But Jesus means what he says. I am the resurrection and I am the life. Jesus is the word made flesh and the promise of God that he embodies is not just the promise of future resurrection, but of new life here and now. Caroline Lewis writes, 
For Lazarus, the gospel does not describe his future with Jesus, but his present. In chapter 12, the anointing of Jesus takes place at the home of Mary and Martha and Bethany. We are told that Martha served, Mary anoints Jesus, and Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead, was one of those at table with him. The raising of Lazarus also gives him new life with Jesus. This new life is leaning on the breast of Jesus, reclining at the table with him, sharing food and fellowship. New life in Jesus is this intimacy, this closeness, this dwelling, lying on the chest of Jesus. It is here and now, because the, for the Gospel of John, it is not just the death of Jesus, but the life of Jesus that brings salvation. Mary's response to Jesus' words is one of the most powerful professions of faith in the entire gospel. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Son, the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. And not just coming, but already present. This exchange with Martha is pretty typical of the Gospels, this particular Gospel's portrayal of Jesus as one who is very aware of who he is and what he is about, someone who is in command at all times. But when Jesus meets Martha's sister, Mary, we suddenly see him in a different light, for on seeing her tears, Jesus too breaks down and weeps. Someone whom he loved deeply has died. And even though he trusts in the power that God has given to him, he weeps for his friend's suffering, for their sister's grief, and perhaps even for himself. He will raise Lazarus as much out of love as he does to show God's glory. It is a tender, heartbreaking moment. When he has recovered enough to speak, Jesus asks, where have you laid him? And follows the sisters as they lead him to the cave that serves as Lazarus finding resting place. And here, the images of weeping women and a tomb with a stone that needs to be rolled away hint as what is yet to come in this gospel. Martha inadvertently supplies a moment of levity as she protests the movement of the stone. In the language of the King James Version of the Bible, she says, Lord, by this time he stinketh. That's what it says. But Jesus will not be deterred. Raising his hands, he thanks God for always hearing him. And then he cries out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the power that knitted dry bones together in Ezekiel's valley and breathe life into each one of us, restores Lazarus to life, and he emerges from the tomb, his body still wrapped in grave clothes, his face covered by a cloth. Imagine the amazement and the awe that must have struck everyone there. Even the men who hastened to report this incident to the authorities, a report that would lead to a decision to arrest and have Jesus killed, even those men must have felt an incredible sense of wonder. Lazarus, who had been dead for four long days, was alive again. 
We usually skip over the words that follow, but this time as I read this passage, they jumped out at me. Jesus commands those who look, in, look on in amazement, unbind him and let him go. The act of resurrection is not yet complete. Now the community is invited to participate in fully releasing Lazarus from the grip of death. Unbind him and let him go. Imagine now the emotions that bombarded Lazarus' sisters and friends as they moved toward the man. Imagine their fear as with trembling hands they slowly released his body from their wrappings and felt him take breath. Imagine their joy as they lifted the cloth and saw once again his beloved face alive and well. Imagine the praise and thanksgiving that filled the air as they led Lazarus back to his home, back to new life. Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead, but it was the community of his family and friends who helped to complete God's work and to welcome him into that new life. Yes, resurrection and redemption are the work of God. But we are invited to participate, to partner with God in caring for our neighbor and for the world. Someone who is very dear to me said to me the other day, I want to know the love of God, not just in my head, but in my heart. She yearns for the new life that Jesus offers, but she feels bound up in worries over money, frustration at work, and her struggles with anger. I am so grateful that she has decided to seek the counsel of someone in her church. And I'm also glad that we had a chance to talk and that she felt comfortable sharing with me. It's hard to do much help from far away, but at least I could listen. And sometimes a seemingly insignificant lack act like listening is all that is required. Jesus didn't ask the family and friends of Lazarus to do anything difficult. As emotional as it must have been, releasing him from the cloth that bound him was something well within their power. Sometimes we think that answering God's call means doing things that only a saint could manage, and while undoubtedly there are situations in which that is true, I suspect that for the most part, we are simply asked there to be, to be there for someone, to listen, to be kind, to pray, to love, and to trust that even the smallest gesture of compassion can make a difference. A song by Jim Strathdee comes to mind, based on a prayer poem by Jesuit priest Peter Byrne. It goes like this. We are simply asked to make gentle our bruised world, to be compassionate of all, including oneself. Then in the time left over, to repeat the ancient tale and go the way of God's foolish ones. 
people who are bound up in the grave clothes of old wounds and behaviors and fears. People who need us to simply make gentle their bruises. How might we as a church and in individuals help to unbind them and let them go? How might we claim God's promise of resurrection and help release others to new life? Who needs you to help set them free? This is our work, our calling, and our joy to unbind and release, to set free for new life. If that sounds intimidating, listen to these words written by Audrey West. On another day, another Mary, weeping at another tomb, will ask, tell me, where have you laid him? On that day, the burial cloth will be left behind in the tomb, the face cloth rolled up in a place by itself, no longer required for the one whom God has raised. Here at the tomb of Lazarus, death is denied for a time. There. At the tomb of Jesus, death is overcome for good. This is the grace and power that enables the dry bones of hope to live. This is the grace and power that is with us in our struggles and raises us out of the graves of our fear and guilt to new life. And this is the grace and power that can flow through us to release others from bondage and set them free. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Thanks be to God, we do. Amen. <laughs>